Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. My name is Ty Evans, and uh, I'm grateful for you hanging out with me today. Um, I want to do the Salmon Idaho Clinic Recap today. This was a, a really good clinic, and uh, I got some thoughts to share and some moments to share with you all, so we'll, uh, we'll jump right in. I want to thank Colt Saddlery for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, Colt Nairing does really good work. On them saddles, you can find them on Facebook. Look up Colt Saddlery on Facebook and uh, give him a call. He does really good work. I'm loving the saddle he built for me. So, anyways, thanks, Colt. I sure appreciate you. All right, so Salmon, Idaho. Um, this is a two-day clinic, and I've been coming up to Salmon now for, um, I think, five years uh, to do a clinic. I've been coming up to the cell for. I think about nine years now, and our clinic is in conjunction with the Salmon Select Mule Cell, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a great group of people. Um, I'm just grateful that Mr. Fred Snook has invited me up year after year to come to the clinic, and I sure appreciate uh, him and his team and every everybody up there. So this year. Again, the clinic was two days, and we offered a foundation mulemanship class, which for those of you that are new or don't know, um, our foundation class is, is is all the groundwork, the foundation of your mulemanship. That's why we call it foundation mulemanship, that groundwork, um, getting your mules handy on the end of those lead ropes because I believe that you ride what you lead. And it's amazing, it's amazing the correlation between the trouble people have on the ground and the trouble they have in the saddle. It is, I just can't argue with it anymore. So, you know, just a little note on groundwork. If I can be totally transparent and and, uh, just open with all of you, you know, I don't particularly enjoy groundwork. It's not my favorite. It's not what I ride mules for. I don't, I don't ride my mule. I don't have mules because I enjoy the groundwork. I, I like them to ride so that they can be my legs and something about riding a mule riding a horse that just makes you feel it makes you feel better than you really are you know it makes you feel more than you really are you know they give you more power um they're so strong right they're so powerful they give you more power they give you more height you know makes you taller (laughs) some of you are yeah, laughing because all the short jokes you have teased me about all these years for being so short. But, you know, it makes me taller, right? It, um, it gives me opportunity to go faster, cover more country, right? They, they have more endurance than we do. Um, they just have so much more than we do on the physical aspect of things. Um, and then when we combine you know, horse and human, and we ride together, then, you know, we also have the opportunity to to bring in the influence of our our mind, our, our reasoning abilities. You know, the humans have the ability to reason. You know, the equines lack that part. So, yeah, you, you combine this, and it's amazing. So, you know, some of you might really enjoy groundwork, and, and I got a lot of friends that enjoy groundwork and they enjoy the the liberty work and the and uh you know they got a lot of tricks and things and 
Um, if I'm being honest, not me. I, I really enjoy writing. <laughs> but here's the deal, and this is what I'm trying to convince you of, if you're not, not already convinced, is that I have so much respect for groundwork. I cannot argue the evidences that I've seen now. I can't argue with the facts. I can't deny that. It's amazing what you can get done if you just spend a little time doing a little groundwork and building that foundation first. It's amazing. Like I said, I just can't argue with with how much benefit that that groundwork has given me. So this that's what our foundation classes are is, is groundwork, preparing for the ride. And um, if you know, if you was to take our classes straight through, you would come to foundation, and then you'd do colt starting, and then mulemanship one, and uh, the mulemanship two, and then like uh, intro to cow working or like one of our trail clinics or whatever. You could do any of them. So that's kind of how it would go in order. So anyways, here we had the foundation class, and we also had mulemanship one. Mulemanship one is our our most popular class for sure. This is the class that we fill up most of the time. Um, most people want into this class. This is all just the really good basics and fundamentals of writing. And no matter how advanced you get, no matter how far you get in your mulemanship, your horsemanship journey, this stuff always applies. So mulemanship one doesn't expire. And so we get, you know, people will repeat mulemanship one five, ten, fifteen more times. I mean, it's 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 not an expiration. And, and there's some people that are brand new to come to our clinics and they think, okay, all right, well, I did mulemanship one once. All right, good. Now it's time for mulemanship two. And it doesn't really work like that. And then the funny thing is, is once you do get to a mulemanship two class, you you realize that we're just doing the basics better at a higher standard and we're looking at it from a different point of view. So um, here in Salmon, I ended up having, uh, we had, let's see, we had 19 participants total between the two classes. And, uh, you know, some of these people, in fact, a lot of them, double dipped meaning they did both classes and that's pretty common you know uh, foundation and mulemanship one kind of go hand in hand ground and saddle work together so we had uh oh, like i don't know probably 10 of them uh do both and that's that was a lot of fun and then i get to know them better i get to know their mules and their horses better but anyway so we had 19 participants people total actually come and of those, you know, 15 people had mules. Um, there were three horses in the clinic and one donkey. Um, my friend Amy Klingler brought the donkey, and I really enjoyed giving her a hard time because she brought a brown donkey named Blue. <laughs> and just a, just the cutest, cutest yearling donkey. Um, it's going to be great. You know, I really like the donkeys, and I, I love when we get donkeys in the clinics. I don't get a lot of donkeys in the clinics. Like out of a whole year, you know, maybe we'll have, you know, three or 400 mules come through um, and maybe 100 or 200 horses at the most. But with the donkeys, maybe 30, maybe 30, 40 donkeys a year at the most. So 
you know, only getting to work with and see 30 or 40 donkeys. I'm not getting near the experience with donkeys that I'd love to, you know. But anyways, they are getting more popular, it seems like. And it seems like I'm seeing more and more of them, which is pretty cool. So Salmon, Idaho, and those of you that are listening that have come to Salmon for years and supported me and my clinics there for years, then you'll you know what I'm talking about here. But Salmon is famous for crappy weather like this this first weekend of of april is always rainy it's always windy it's always snowy but this year the first day it was a little windy it wasn't it wasn't comfortable the first day but day two was 65 blue skies no wind just awesome weather and you know it it was funny looking back um the very first year i ever went to salmon idaho the very first time I ever went, um, the weather was was great. The weather was awesome. Um, beautiful days. Uh, the whole the whole cell was great. And so I come home and I tell Sky how great salmon is and how this cell was so fun. And you know we should go. We should go next year. She should come. And so I talk her into it. We go the next year, and the weather was so terrible. <laughs> She's like, "You're so full of crap." This well, there's no good weather here because it's you know you're up in the mountains and it's it's springtime right so it could be anything and but we were blessed we were so blessed this year to have really good weather and um, you know day one starts and right off right off the bat we got a little drama on day one in the foundation class um, my friend Squeak brought a mule named Peekaboo and right off the bat. Peekaboo has Squeak's number. She just, she just realizes that, you know, if Peekaboo wants to go somewhere, she's going to go somewhere with or without Squeak, okay? And Squeak, poor gal, she just had uh, shoulder surgery, and she really can't hold on to this mule. And so this mule is super just pushy and does not know how to lead, right? So it just drags Squeak, and she can't hold on, and it takes off, and she's got to let go because her shoulder's so weak, right? And so you got this mule running around the the arena, okay? Now I got Dally out there with me, and I just put, I just saddled up Dally and brought her out, and I'm not asking a whole lot out of Dally, but she's pretty tight today, and I don't know what the, you know, she's always a little tight, right? You guys have been following the Dally Diaries, I'm sure, and and so Dally's kind of just, I mean, she's not doing anything. She's not doing anything wrong. She's just not comfortable, okay? So with Dally, if she's not comfortable. The best thing for me to do um, is just let her be for a moment when it comes to groundwork. I'm just going to let her soak a little bit. I'm just going to let her stand there a little bit. Okay. But but this mule, this peekaboo mule is running around the arena. That's just too much for Dally. That is just too much for her to take. She can't stand it. It's just too much stress, and she blows a gasket. She freaking blows up. She's bucking out there. And in fact, she bucked so hard she broke my breast collar. Now I'm just trying to stay calm. I don't want to get anybody else riled up. So I just, you know, she and she's just on the end of the lead rope bucking. And anyways, I work my way over to the fence because I want to help Squeak catch Peekaboo before anybody else has any trouble. And my buddy Jerry Myers was there. And I've talked about Jerry in previous podcasts. In fact, him and his wife Sid are going to be on this podcast as future guests. Um, but... Jerry is one of the happiest guys I know, okay? Jerry is super happy. He's always laughing. And 
while Dally is just freaking bucking, Jerry is just over there. I can just hear him laughing. He thinks that is just so funny. And, you know, Jerry's like me. He, you know, retired bronc rider. You know, he rodeoed back in the day. And, you know, and anyways, so, you know, we don't get worked up about, you know, if, you, if you've been in that kind of business, you know, you don't get worked up about them bucking. You just try to get through. But anyway, so he's over there laughing. He just thinks that's just so funny, right? And so I'm just... I'm working my way over to the fence, and Dally's settled down at this point now. She's she's calmed down. I'm just I'm gonna tie her up over to the fence, and hopefully, she will be fine there. Um, while I go try to get a hold of, uh, try to help Squeak get her mule. So I help Squeak get her mule, and now I'm working with Peekaboo. Okay, so Peekaboo tries to pull on me once. And whenever a mule pulls on me or, or tries to bolt, basically the key ingredients to not getting drug and not losing the mule is number one, keep your elbows close to your ribs. So if you let your arm get pulled out ahead of you, if that mule bolts and your arm is extended, for one, you're, you could easily damage your shoulder, which I have done way too many times. Um, so you could hurt yourself. You're, for another, you're off balance, okay? The next ingredient that you need so you don't lose this mule or hurt yourself is to bend your knees and basically do a little squat, like sit on your butt. And sometimes you actually literally need to sit down on the ground on your butt to stop this mule. Maybe you don't have enough power in your legs to hold that mule. So sit down and, and, and just be a, a big weight, really. The third thing is if you're dealing with a mule that wants a bolt or a horse or donkey, whatever, all the same, is don't let your shoulders get ahead, get in front of your hips. you got to keep your shoulders behind your hips, and that center of gravity will really help you so you don't get extended and lose the mule. So anyways, this mule gives me one good pull, and I do all the above, okay? And she's like, oh, wow, okay, all right, well, I ain't pulling this guy. And I didn't have a single issue with her wanting to pull on me um, while I'm helping Squeak. And I, so basically, I use Peekaboo as my demo mule. I use her. I'm, I'm showing the people, the participants there, you know, you know, the different steps in the groundwork, what we're going through. And I'm using Peekaboo, and she's actually a really good little demo mule. So, but that was the very first. That was the first five minutes of foundation mulemanship. Okay, that's the first five minutes of. <laughs> of class you got dally blowing snot and bucking and then you got peekaboo running around like a ding dong and and uh you know it's really hard to keep your emotions in check um as a participant for me for me it's just another day okay it's just another day it's not a big deal um i just you know i'm there to help you fix it i really don't care about the problem in a way that is going to make me be upset. I don't, I don't care about it because I know how to fix it. It's like a mechanic working on a, a truck or a, a car. You know, the, the problem really doesn't bother me. Like, oh, yeah, well, you, you know, well, we're leaking this. We need a new gasket. Uh, you know, we, okay, you, yeah, it's plugged up. We need a new air filter, w- whatever. You got a flat tire. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, do this to fix it. And so that's kind of how I am. But, because of that, sometimes I forget about how the participants feel. And I know in that moment, as a participant, 
you know, you lose the mule in the class and it's running around and, you know, Squeak has been to a few clinics, so I, I don't think she met, she she was bothered um, as much as, as others might be. Um, but nonetheless, nobody wants to be the center of attention in that way. So um, the only thing that really made my morning there was Jerry laughing so hard that Dally was bucking enough to break the breast collar on the saddle. So, you know... Um, as class went on, there's a lot of highlights and foundation. It seemed to be where the most work was needed. Um, there's an, there was another mule in class named Jackson, and um, the lady that brought Jackson was super uh, happy and uplifting and positive. Her name was Jessica, and I think Jessica listens to the podcast. I'm pretty sure she does, so shout out to you, Jessica. How's it going? Um but Jessica and Jackson, uh, this was a two-year-old, not started or anything, um, and he was he was really pushy, and she was having a heck of a time. And you know, Jessica was asking really good questions, really insightful questions, and she was worried about a few things, um, you know, with correcting this mule or, or fixing some of the things up. She was worried about making the mule timid, and I have a few comments on this. Um, but to start off with, you know, one thing that a lot of us don't realize is the process by which we wean these babies makes such a difference in relation to nature, okay? So I, I'm sure I've talked about this on previous episodes, but I'm going to talk about it again because there might be somebody new listening today, and I think this is important. But, okay, in nature, when when the mares wean their foals okay and and i'm here in utah and it's so fun to watch the the mustangs we got a lot of mustangs here in utah i've had the privilege of of watching a lot of them and being around a lot of them we got a lot of donkeys in utah as well wild donkeys and so um you know the when it comes time for that foal to be weaned off the mother and it's usually usually they wean their foals just a little while before they're about to have their next foal. So they're saying, hey, it's time for you to grow up and get a job, kid, because I got another kid coming along the way, and I, I can't support both of you, so you, you need to get out and grow up a little bit. And when that happens, the mom is is pretty pretty firm about pushing that foal off. She will not let it nurse anymore. Um, she'll kick at it. She might bite at it. She won't let it nurse anymore. Um, the other thing that she won't let it do anymore is seek her for comfort. And this is one of the most fascinating pieces um, to me about horse behavior and is there comes a point where that mother no longer lets the foal seek her for comfort and safety. And so picture this, okay, as a brand new you know, a new foal, a newborn foal, maybe a week or two old, say that there's a wolf out there, um, you know, kind of around the herd or maybe a mountain lion or any danger really, okay, that foal will lean up against its mother. So say it's it's leaning up on the foal's right side, leaning up against the mother, and it's looking out to its left toward the danger. So it's basically, it's got its mother to keep it safe, Right. 
and it kind of leans on her. Well, okay, now fast forward. Now the foal is, you know, let's say, let's say about ten months, which is typical natural weaning time. It, it would be would be, oh excuse me, more more like eight to eight to nine months right before she's gonna foal again. Okay. And so let's say she let's just say the foal's eight months old, okay, and that foal starts to lean against its its mother. That mom's gonna say, "No, go you stand up for yourself here. You you can deal it, deal with yourself. You can deal with this danger. Don't don't come lean on me anymore. I'm gonna have a baby here soon, and I can't have you pushing me and this baby around. So that mother's gonna drive that foal off. The the now almost yearling foal, right? And that's how they learn to stop being so pushy on each other. Um, now, when we wean them, we wean them artificially, right? We wean our foals off at, you know, it could be anywhere from, it could be anywhere from four months to six, seven, eight months, whatever. We wean them off, and when we wean them, and these little babies want to come up and. They lean against us and look out just like they do with their mothers. When this happens, we think, oh, look how cute this baby is. I just, oh, my gosh. And you, you pet it all over and you love it and you think it's so great. And the mule or the, the, the foal, the horse, never learns how to basically stay in his own bubble. Um, never learns to stand up for himself and so to speak okay um and they lean to you and then then the problem here is is they keep growing up they get bigger and bigger and bigger until they're now two years old three four five years old i've seen them 20 years old and still like this and they just push a human around there's no that there's no uh communication there at all okay that lack of communication makes lack of respect. Um, now, they're not capable of respect. That's an abstract thought. But for, for our small, I shouldn't say our, for my small vocabulary, I will say respect, even though they're not capable of respect or disrespect. But that's kind of what happens. So, anyways, back to Jessica and Jackson. I talked to her about this, told her about this situation, because Jackson was doing just that. She's Jackson is pushing all over Jessica, um, dragging her around, um, when she's trying to get the groundwork going, she can't get Jackson to yield, can't get Jackson to go, can't get Jackson to move. Um, and he's just right in her face. And so he was also extremely herdbound. They brought a horse. Um, Jessica's husband used a horse named Woody. Her husband, Alan, used a horse named Woody. And um, just this Jackson here was super attached to Woody for sure, and to another mule they had named Palmer. So they had all sorts of stuff going on. So anyways, finally I I see that they could use a little help here. So I go over to help Jessica. And, and Jackson is making me work. Jackson is running me through. Jackson is running me over. And I told Jessica, so this isn't going to be any easier for me than it is for you, except for I I know exactly what I want to get done. And I think that's one of the biggest things that holds you all back from being successful on the ground or in the saddle is you're not quite sure of your plan. You're not quite sure of what you want to do. And this is one thing where if you can figure out your standards, whatever it is you want to do, stick to it. 
make a plan in your head, know exactly how it's going to go. Now, you need to be flexible. It's one of those, one of those good quotes, right? I can't remember who, uh, who said it. Uh, I heard it from um, uh, Betsy uh, off of the uh, documentary Buck. Anyway, she said, uh, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not get bent out of shape. <laughs> and you, so you got you to gotta be flexible, okay? But at the same time, you need to have a plan. And in my mind, I know how it's going to turn out. And if it doesn't go quite that way, I also know how it's going to turn out because I'm flexible. So I hope that makes sense to you. But when you're working with your mirror, you're trying to get something done, okay? When you're trying to get a, a turn, a stop, you're trying to go one way or the other, Okay, you need to know exactly in your mind how this is going to work out. What is it going to look like when they do it? And I don't know if it's necessarily picturing it in your mind, but we do teach in the clinics. The thought comes first, then the feel, then the drive. Thought, feel, drive. Or rather, think, feel, drive. That's basically the process by which I'm going to get them to do something for me and the end goal being that they do it just when I think it that's really hard and I haven't achieved that much but I'm working towards it so anyways I get a hold of Jackson here and he is just he's he's running me over um he's beating on me pretty good I definitely don't look like I know what I'm doing (laughs) While he's beating me up, but I'm, I'm working through it, trying. I'm working through it, trying. I'm at the same time. I'm, I'm on the microphone, right, and so I'm breathing, because <laughs> we're we're making a, we're we're covering some country. We're we're covering some tracks here, and we got to a point where, and I was trying to explain it to the audience there, but Jackson was, he was just as confident that he was going to get it done, just as confident as I was, saying. I'm going to get done what I want to get done. We were both had the same level of confidence. And it wasn't like I'm trying to beat him or trying to win. But he's he has in mind what he wants to do. I have in mind what I want to do. And they were different. They were not the same things in mind. And he got me, kind of drug me over toward the fence where this other horse was. And he's kind of, every time he'd go closer to the horse, that, that horse was obviously what he felt as a comfort so he was really wanting to get over to that horse and be comfortable okay and i was just wanting him to feel comfort just just staying out on the lead rope where i wanted him to be and not running me over because basically if i'm between him and this horse he's he's going over the top of me he don't care all right ty does not matter (laughs) to jackson so anyways we worked through it and basically i worked through it using one move one move, clearing the front. I'd clear the front, send him, clear the front, send him, clear the front, send him. And over and over we'd do that until he got comfortable being out there on that lead rope and not running me over and not charging for the horse or whatever. Now, after I got done with this, this is the this is kind of the, the thing I want to talk about because this is the hard part, right? So I hand them back to Jessica, and then Alan, her husband, actually worked with them because Jessica's having quite a time, and so Je- so Alan did quite a bit with Jackson there. And, and Alan said, well, now he won't come up to me. And so in his mind, okay, well, we, we 
I had him, you know, I had Alan and Jessica going through all this groundwork with Jackson, working, moving him, getting these feet. And now they say, now he doesn't want to come up to me. And I asked the question to Alan, did he want to come up to you before because of you or in spite of you? Because he was coming up to you before, but it sure seemed like he's running you over. And it was usually when you're in between him and the horse or him and the other mule where he wanted to be. It didn't seem like he really wanted to wanted to be with you you were just in his way of getting to the others this is really hard to swallow but is your mule leading coming up to you because of you like did you invite that mule up or was it just moving your feet running you over pushing you around doing whatever they feel is easiest to do that's the hard part and then they're trying to get him to lead somewhere. And he doesn't really want to go with them. And it's obvious to see his attention is still back to the horse. And if I had him lead him straight to the horse, it would have been just fine. But having them lead away from the horse or the other mule was definitely a challenge. And, and so I hope, it was only a quick two-day clinic, but I hope Jessica and Alan, I hope you guys stick with it and get that mule to lead because of you. To me... A mule being broke, there's a difference between being broke to drag and broke to lead. There's a lot of mules that are really friendly that will follow you around until they don't want to go there. So they're friendly and they're following you so long as it suits them. But as soon as it doesn't suit them or they don't want to go there, then you can't lead them because they don't know how to lead. That's just broke to follow. Then there's others that are broke to drag, right? That they go because you make them. It hurts if they don't go. And these are the folks that use a chain or some come along thing or whatever you might use. That's broke to drag. That's not leading either. That's dragging. So there's following, there's dragging, and then there's leading. And that's a mule that wants to be with you and those that should be with you and broke to lead, meaning they they see you as a confident a confident leader that can take care of them and they want to be with you and they'll be with you and they'll go where you ask and they'll do what you ask them to do. They'll go where you put them on a loose rein because they know that you're going to take care of them. That's what I'm trying to get done. That's my goal. And so you think about, you can analyze each one of your mules and, okay, all right, well, that mule's broke to follow. That mule follows me because it follows me really good until it doesn't want to. Okay, that mule's broke to drag. It doesn't go unless I pull on it. Okay, and then that mule, all right, that mule goes wherever I'd like, anytime I'd like. So that's what we're looking for. Much easier said than done. I know that. All right. So there was another mule um, that I want to talk about. Uh, and I mentioned Jerry Myers and his wife, Sid Myers, had a mule there, a two-year-old named Cozy. This, for sure, is the biggest two-year-old cult I have ever seen. Sid, I know you listen to the podcast. That is a huge mule. <laughs> so big. Um Really big, really big two-year-old. Um, 
so it's taller than Riata. Riata, if any of you that are regulars or come to my clinics, you guys know my Red Mule Riata. Or if you watch our, you know, you might have watched our online video library at tsmules.com. Riata is the big red mule that I use a lot. Um, Riata is a six-year-old, and she stands 15 hands, uh, 15.3 hands. Okay, so she's an inch short of 16 hands. This cozy mule is bigger than Riata, and she's only two years old. So I don't know what she measures, but she's huge. So um, this mule was interesting because... Um, it really wasn't worried about anything, uh, and it really didn't want to yield to the to to Sid. It really, she, the meal didn't really want to go. Um, but it also wasn't like this meal wasn't like a really pushy uh, meal. It wasn't really a meal that was fighting or anything. And and this, you know, I I went over to help Sid, and this is where. Some of the fundamental moves come in. Some of the uh, more of the mechanical part. You know, in the clinics, there's a variety of things that we learn and we talk about, right? Where a lot of it we are dealing with the mechanics. Okay, rein position, seat position, leg position. Do this, do that. Walk this way, walk that way. Move your leg here, move your leg there. Whatever. Okay, there's a lot of that, but there's also relationship building that we work on. But in this case, with cozy. Sid just needed a little help with the mechanics, okay, your angles. And one of the hardest things it seemed like for a lot of people at this particular clinic, and I, I spent the first day helping a lot of people with this issue, is point the way, and this is with groundwork, okay, point the way you want to go and walk the way you point. There are so many people pointing and then walking the other way. So picture this. They got their rein in their right hand, and they're pointing to the right with their right hand. The right arm is extended to the right, yet they're walking to the left. That's like all of you, like in a hallway or something, you're trying to help people exit the hallway, and you're pointing, but then you're kind of walking the other way. Say, hey, everybody go this way. Everybody come this way. And you're walking to the left, and, and, but you're pointing to the right, and they're like, come what way? Do we follow you, or do we go where you're pointing? It's a little confusing. Because the life in your body is going left, but your thought and your 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 uh, your direction is going right. So you can see how to the mule how confusing this can be. And it was just a simple matter of of checking up on that. So all of you in your groundwork, think about this the next time. Are you are you going the way you want the mule to go? So it's not just pointing the life in your body needs to go that way so if you're going to clear the front to your right you're going to point and walk to your right and then you're going to get your circle going and you're still walking a big circle to the right when you want to stop you should stop your body tilt back to your heels to initiate that stop don't stop but keep your whole life going forward and pushing on the mule so you got all these pieces going on here okay Anyways, I just wanted to mention that because that was something that a lot of you, or a lot of the participants, rather, at the clinic were working through. Um, on day two, um, I want to mention a really nice lady 
uh, named Mandy, and she's actually from here in Utah, and her and her husband came up from Utah, and they were joking that, you know, I only live an hour or two away from them, yet they had to drive six or seven hours up to Salmon, Idaho to come see me. Um, sorry, that's because I'm never home. Um, but Mandy, uh, talking to her a little bit, um, she had a nice mule, a really, really gentle mule named Miss Texas. And, um, Mandy's brand new to riding. Okay. She's brand new to mules. And in fact, we had, we had quite a few individuals at this particular clinic that were brand new to equine at all. They're brand new. Um, and anyways, Mandy was one of them. And she was talking through, we were talking about some of these things and, and working through some of these pieces, just rain positions, leg position, seat positions, just, you know, and I realized it, it kind of hit me as I'm talking to Mandy that this whole thing is a process. Um, before we can work a whole lot on the relationship building um, before we can go deep on a lot of the philosophy of writing and and some of the deeper connecting stuff, you, you need to just learn the fundamentals. Okay, you, you need to just learn how to how to be around an animal, um, just to stay safe and just to stay, uh, you know, aware. Um, awareness is such a key, and if you can learn awareness, the sooner you can learn awareness the sooner everything else will fall into place. And this is what I was trying to talk to Mandy about was, okay, just become aware. You you just need to learn about the mule. Okay, when the mule does this, what does it mean? When the mule does that, what does it mean? Then you need to learn about how your environment affects your ride. So, you know, you don't want to be naive. Okay, I'm going to walk into, um, I'm walking down the street and, this street is known for having a whole bunch of loose dogs that like to chase horses. And you don't know, and you don't see the way these dogs are acting. You know, you, you might get chased out of there and, you know, get your horse, your mule into some trouble. But, okay, you're going down this um, this trail and and you're a little bit naive about the difficulty of the trail and what you're going to ask. And you ask too much out of the mule and they don't know how to handle it they slip, fall, hurt themselves, hurt you, whatever. Anyway, so so you need to be aware of the mule. You need to be aware of your environment. Most importantly, above all, and this is what I spend a lot of time trying to explain. I hope she I hope she retains this part. I know the first time coming to clinics, and the, especially if you're brand new to mules or horses, the first clinic is just a blur. Uh, but I hope she remembers this last part: is being aware of yourself. What are you doing? What are you doing, both physically, emotionally, um, shoot, even in a way uh, spiritually? That's a big part for me personally. But be aware of your thoughts and your physical actions because that really influences the animal. Um, Don't hide the way you feel. Well, you really can't hide the way you feel. Just so you know, you really can't hide the way you feel to your animal. They, they're much more keen on that than than humans are. You you can hide how you feel from me, and and you can fool me because I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But you can't fool your mule. You can't fool your horse. Okay, so 
you need to be aware of, of, of yourself. All right. I'm, I'm scared to get on this mule. Well, that's okay. Admit it. Okay. You're scared. Well, what are you going to do about it? Sometimes just saying it makes you feel better. All right. Okay. I, wherever you're physical. Okay. Well, I'm pulling on the rain here. Oh, well, no wonder I, my rain position is off. No wonder I can't get it done there because I'm pulling to the left and pulling to the right at the same time. And that ain't how you turn a mule. Okay. All right. So, um, you become aware. And this is such a big piece. So uh, any of you that are brand new to mules or horses and you're just learning, learn about the mule, learn about your environment, how it's going to affect the animal, and then learn about yourself. Become aware. Learn the fundamentals, and then you can start building the other things. And and it's kind of a back and forth. You, you, you work on the relationship a little bit, then you go back and work on fundamentals a little bit. Then you go back and work on more relationship stuff, and pretty soon they will flow together. But in the beginning, it's almost like you have to focus on one piece at a time. And I could probably do a whole podcast episode um, just on on this, you know, um, be, you know, becoming, becoming one with your animal, I guess you could call it. I don't know. Um, but anyways, that was fun helping Mandy with that. And, you know, also realizing it's okay to be new. It's okay to be new, um, embrace it. And there, there's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of pride with animals. And it goes back to what I said in the very beginning. Remember I said, I like riding the mules because it helps me be more powerful, helps me be stronger, taller, faster, more endurance, um, you know. Uh, so this, all this stuff also will affect you, your attitude. And, and it's, you know, there's a lot of people that don't seek help. There's a lot of people that should come to clinics that never will because... And in their mind, they're saying, no, I'm just too shy. I don't like groups. I'm just too shy. Well, you got to let it go. Let it go. Get some help. Stop thinking so much about how people are going to see you and, and about being embarrassed or whatever and start thinking about yourself in a way. How can I become better? And you got to push yourself a little bit, okay? But, you know, people that are just starting, what I'm saying is, is it's easy the animal makes you feel different. You feel different when you're riding, which is why we like riding, which is what makes us enjoy this. It, it's, it's different. It's, you know, you don't feel, you don't get these feelings when you ride a four-wheeler or you ride a side-by-side or whatever. You, this only comes from a, another being, like, an, like a horse or a mule. But it was, it's okay to be new. It's okay to just start. It's okay to admit, I am learning. I'm trying to figure this out. You don't have to, you don't have to know everything all the time. So anyways, I'm going to move on here. I want to mention a couple other points here. Um, I've mentioned Jerry Myers a bunch this podcast. This should be the Jerry Myers podcast today. But, you know, he said something um, that I've heard from a lot of people that have been to a lot of clinics. So we're coming up on our nine-year anniversary um, coming right up next month. It'll be nine years in May of 2021. It'll be nine years. And so now I, I've had some participants that have been coming to these clinics for a long time, and they've come to a lot of clinics. Jerry is one of them. And he said, 
quote somewhat. This is not maybe not exactly what he said, but he said, after all these clinics and all these years, things are finally starting to sink in. Finally starting to click. That's what he told me as I was getting ready to head home after the last day of the clinic up here in Salmon. And it's amazing because you'd think, oh, the first clinic, Ty's, if the, the first time I go to a clinic with Ty, that would be the most that I ever learned because it's all brand new then, right? And you'd think that you'd run out of things to learn. In fact, this is one of the things that I have a lot of family members that talk to me about this. They say, aren't you going to run out of people that want to come to clinics? Like, And I said, actually, it's just the opposite. It seems like the more people come to clinics, the more clinics they want to come to. Um, and it's fun working with people that have come for year year after year and getting better because we can finally take the next step and we can get better. We can make things sharper. And it's actually a real job satisfaction for me is, is when they come back and we can, we can go further in our journey. Um, and I feel like the people that maybe just come once, yeah, they might get something. Maybe that's, maybe they realize, ah, it's not for me, or maybe it is for me, but you know, it was kind of fun hearing that from Jerry. And I've heard that from multiple people. I, I heard it maybe four or five times last year during the clinics. And so it's really got me to thinking kind of about my own journey. And it's the same thing for me. It really is. The more I learn and the more I discover, the more I realize that there is to learn and to discover. I have so much. I have so much. I got right here in front of me. I got this notebook. And I got two others right here in front of me that are full. And I got this next one I've just started. And I'm about third of the way through writing these notes. And I have so many thoughts I put down on paper to share with you guys that I learn. But I think that's why we're here is to get better, to keep learning. So anyways, thanks for that, that Jerry. Thanks for that thought. I wanted to give another shout-out, and I, I doubt Russ will ever listen to this, but a, a fellow named Russ Kozak, he came to the clinic. And Russ has been fighting cancer for quite a while now. And I just want to shout out to him and to a lot of you. I don't know all the details of all of your issues, but if you're whatever you're going through, um, you know, make the best of it. And and a fellow like Russ, and there was a there's a few people last year that came. I had a lady that just did a. She did a, a, a round of chemo. She had colon cancer. Well, she does. She still does. And fighting colon cancer. And, and she did that. Then comes to the clinic the next day. I mean, most folks get knocked on their feet for weeks. And I'm not I'm not comparing. Don't 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 take it that way. I'm not comparing. Um, but it's so cool. The people that don't let bad things hold them back and. I just want to give a shout out to Russ for he did both classes in the clinic, rode all day, and I know that's a lot, a lot for him. But good job. Good job. Job well done. And I have so much respect for people like that. And uh I'm sure there'll be physical ailments will befall me again in my life. Um I look back on some situations that have happened to me and I've been hurt, been injured, been sick, 
and I wasn't as tough as I could be. I'm not wasn't as tough as these people. And again, I'm not trying to compare, but these people inspire me, you know, to keep learning. It's never too late to learn. So, anyways, thank you, Russ. You're an inspiration. Um, I hope you keep fighting that cancer and kick its butt. God bless you. Anyways, that's your uh, Salmon Idaho Clinic recap. Uh, great two days. These two-day clinics go really fast. Um, they're really fast. I, I love the four-day clinics the best. So we only offer a couple, a, a few four-day clinics every year, but they're my favorite. I get the most done at those. And, and if I had, I'm really working in the future on my scheduling to try to get more four-day clinics in line because I see the, the best progress. I kind of feel bad for these two-day clinic participants because I throw a lot at them in two days, and they don't get the time they need to practice and let soak in, and they don't. They also don't get the repetition. The nice thing about three-day clinics or four-day clinics or some of even my five days is that the repetition it sinks in, sinks in, sinks in, and and it stays, and the retention's a little higher. So, anyways, it was a great clinic. I'm so glad the weather was awesome. Um, amazing people, um, just a great group. I, I'd love to go through all these these people. Um, there's so many good people there, you know. But thank you all that uh, came and participated there. Thank you all to the spectators that showed up to watch. And thanks to all of you right here today that are listening to this and, and recapping and debriefing with us. So with that... I will turn you loose. God bless you, and we will see you down the road.